at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, October 16th, 2023 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited for this hour with you to help you take that next step in your journey, a journey that is never ending. You always have to learn and adjust to the current times. And our job is to give you some clarity on what matters as opposed to the headlines that you might pick up on your uh, your day-to-day endeavors and focus on the facts, the data, what is truly happening in today's world, both from an economic side, geopolitical, as well as in the markets. So my job is to give you unbiased perspective by developing by with that I have developed, excuse me, with over 20 years of investment experience. So we're going to talk about the market performance today. We're going to run down some show topics as well, but right after we answer this first caller question. Hi, Justin. It's Steve. I wanted to get your opinion today on Steel Dynamics, ticker symbol STLD. I've held this stuff for over a couple of years, and I'm up a good amount, 30 40%. And I'm trying to consolidate. I do have other materials and industrial stocks. So just wondering if you think now the time to take my profits and put it elsewhere. Thank you very much for your time. Bye. All right, looking at steel dynamics. But now the first thing I will say is this is in that top tier of the steel stocks that are out there. There are two main ones. I can't give you the other one, but there are two main ones that are the long-term, if you look at the data, the best performing within the steel industry. A lot of people call about US steel. It's not that one. It's not in the, the top tier. Steel Dynamics is one of them. And if you look at the profitability, current return equity is 37%. And that is a bit elevated from history, but it still is a pretty profitable company. And we like that. However, if you look at the earnings trends recently, you're getting a pretty large mean reversion going on right now. Now, pre-pandemic, they made $3.10 in 2019, $5.48 in 2018. So, you know, making somewhere in that 3 to $3 to $5 range. Last year, they made $22.68, record high by far, okay? But that has decelerated or is supposed to decelerate for the full year this year to $14.81 per share. In the first half, first two quarters, they made about a little less than $9 per share. So that's going to continue to decelerate in the third and fourth quarter. And then next year, you're gonna, you're, you're, ex, their expectations are $8.57 per share in earnings. So starting to decelerate pretty dramatically back towards that longer-term profitability picture. And analysts continue to downgrade their earnings expectations for this year and next year. 
So I don't like that trend either. So while long-term, if I'm picking a steal can't name, this is near the top of my list, I don't like these earnings trends with a slowdown in the broader economy and that's their earnings. And if you look technically, it did break down back in, what month was this? Back in March, had two big down weeks, the first and, and second weeks of March, and hasn't been able to recover, just kind of what I would call bearish consolidation. When there's a down move and then pretty much chop sideways, that's pretty much what's happened. We're chopping right in that 100, uh, call it 110 level since then. And now we're at 104.72 at the close today. And so the technicals continue to be weak. The earnings trends continue to be weak. And that's why if you're looking to trim your materials exposure, this is the type of name that you want to trim or eliminate. If you're talking short to medium term. Now long term, it's again, I like the company, but will they ever get back the trend to earnings in the low teens after expectations of earnings going forward are $8 and declining? That's what you have to see for 104 to be a reasonable value. Because remember, steel companies trade at low multiples. A lot of people don't understand this with commodity names, a lot of commodity names, is that low multiples are the standard. So you have to look back in history and, and, and what this typically trades at. And so because of those earnings trends, the historical nature of steel companies where they trade at low multiples, I would be selling steel dynamics for the short and medium term. All right. We have a lot of ground to cover in the next 45 minutes. My main focus point concerns a story. The Social Security Administration has announced a 3.2% COLA for 20. 24. We're going to talk about the inflation adjustment and this 2024 COLA update on our main focus point today. Now, as you probably know, the Social Security Administration has always made these inflation adjustments and recipients have closely watched for this update for a while now. So we have some caller questions. So that's, that's our main focus point. We also have some other uh, on the docket. We have the consumer sentiment number that came out on Friday as well as the bank pressures. We have bank earnings and what are the pressures on deposit rates looking like compared to history and what could that mean for the rising cost of those deposits for their for the banks. And then lastly, some of the worst performing stocks this year are on the consumer side. Despite unemployment remaining relatively low, the jobs market weakening but still relatively tight. Why are these consumer stocks down so much? I'll give you a quick hint. Debt and high dividend yields. Shocking, right? We're going to talk about that. Also, have some voice bait questions. One is on politics and investing, as well as IIPR, Innovative Industrial Properties. I hope to get to an iTunes view question as well. But let's talk about today's market performance overall. You had large cap stocks up about 1.13%. Small caps outperformed 1.64%. The best performing part of the market today, small cap value up about one and three quarters percent on the day. So 
While what's going on in the Middle East is concerning for the markets, the lack of, I think, escalation with other countries over the weekend certainly helped the market overall. And the fact that the market is coalescing around another rate pause in on, on November 1st, remember the, the next rate, rate meeting is on November 1st. And we had just we had a lot of economic data, sorry, especially inflation data last week, and it was kind of a kind of boring report. There wasn't an acceleration to the downside or the or the upside. There was you know modest beats both ways on on the inflation expectations, and that gives room, I think, for the Fed to continue to wait. To see how the economy evolves into the final Fed meeting in December and get an idea of consumer spending. Think there'll be a there'll be a black did I say Black Friday? Yeah, Black Friday. Black Friday after Thanksgiving that will give some indication of consumer strength. You'll have a couple more inflation data points between now and then. You'll get some economic or sorry, sorry, some uh, employment data as well. A couple more of those, and there'll just be a lot more for the Fed to look into and understand by that final Fed meeting. And then what happens in the Middle East as well as Ukraine with that funding potentially or just simple escalation within those regions. So I think there's a lot for the Fed to watch and the markets to watch as we go into the fourth quarter. Now, I will say this, that historically, when you go into the fourth quarter positive, like you have with the S&P and and broad equities, it's not an amazing year, but it's a positive year so far, that tends to mean a positive fourth quarter due to flow dynamics, etc. Now, the new year can mean new things, but that tends to be what you get into year end. And that's kind of what I expect, a modest, positive fourth quarter. All right. Now, as we go to a break, let me remind you to check out our new Talk Classroom series. Episode 10 is up for free on our YouTube channel, and it's titled Index Construction. In today's world where so much money is flowing into these indices, it's very important for you to understand how they're constructed. Are they market cap weighted or are they price cap weighted? And what does that mean? You are invested in if you are in target date funds or robo-advisor services, things like that. So you can learn more about index construction by searching the Best Talk Classroom over on YouTube. And now the phone lines are open waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. Get ready for the next InvestTalk Wealth Webinar set for November 9th. That's right, a new InvestTalk Wealth Webinar. Profit amidst chaos. Strategic investing in a recession. The Wealth Webinar will be presented online and free of charge, but you have to register in advance to reserve your spot. Navigating the financial turbulence of a recession can present a formidable challenge. But with the right strategies, you can safeguard your investments and also seize unique opportunities. So join Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein and Luke Guerrero of KPP Financial as they take you through the maze of mysteries involved with investing in times of recession. You'll get answers to questions like this. How could the next recession differ from previous events? Which sectors tend to soar and which plummet during economic downturns? How can you preserve and grow your capital during the chaos of a recession? 
Tell your friends about the next Invest Talk Wealth Webinar. Profit amidst chaos, strategic investing in a recession. It's happening live, online, and free Thursday, November 9th from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Time. Go to investtalk.com and register now. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, how's it going? This question is for Steve or Justin. Thank you for all that you do. So this question is regarding IIPR and Innovative Industrial Properties. Just want to know if this fits the investment thesis. I am an investor in IIPR, looking long-term. Cannabis is a long-term industry. So wanted to know your long-term thesis on IIPR and if this has changed do the recent news. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Uh, I would say no. Uh, we still own IIPR. It is a company for everyone out there. It's a REIT. So I guess it wouldn't be a company. It's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, pass-through entity. And what they do is they, they own cannabis-related facilities, grow facilities and distribution facilities, et cetera. And they lease those out. And as you would imagine, uh, the the time it takes to jump through all the legal hurdles to get these permitted, they can charge pretty strong premiums to your typical industrial property. And that's why they continue to do very well. Now, their growth has certainly slowed, and they have had a few issues with the with tenants, but it's in the low single digits of their total uh, rent roll. And so you know they're easily they're, they've been renegotiating them they've been finding new tenants etc and so it's been a minor issue and and frankly every REIT has some level of of default on the leases that they have and this isn't you know much higher than your your typical within the industry and so the current yield is a little high uh, i don't see that growing dramatically but you know, it's 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 return on assets, return on equity remains very very robust, and so within the REIT space, this remains a very strong candidate. It did pull back recently. There was there's obviously a lot of news around rescheduling cannabis, and that certainly could happen, and it probably will happen over the next who knows five ten years. Uh, but I think ultimately that's still going to be positive for the industry as a whole and IPR. Why? Because you could. It's not going to legalize it uh, on the federal level, but they might reschedule it, and that's what they've talked about and they've recommended. But there's still going to be state issues that you have to jump through. And that's mainly what they're they help with, right? To get these permits going, and so IAPR is still near the top of the list of the REITs that are out there. Uh, but it is high risk, obviously, because the industry that it is in. All right. Now we're going to a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on the Invest Talk Voice Bank. If you're listening to the live stream or on AM 1220 radio in the Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888 chart You've got finance and investment questions, and Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready with their unbiased answers. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. 
Now, our main focus point today concerns this story. The Social Security Administration has announced a 3.2% COLA for 2024. Now, as you probably know, the Social Security Administration always makes an inflation adjustment every year, and recipients have closely watched for the 2024 COLA update figure. And that is because last year they got a big bump, 8.7% at the beginning of this year. And what they're going to get to next year, beginning next year, will be 3.2%. So that translates to about a $60 per month increase for the average recipient. And the average COLA over the last 20 years is just 2.6%. So while 3.2 doesn't sound nearly as nice as 8.7, it's still above the longer term average. And inflation has been moderating. So that's good news for retirees. And that helps roughly 67 million Social Security beneficiaries catch up with inflation pressures. And Social Security is an important benefit for a lot of older Americans. It represents one-third of the average retiree's total income. And according to the Social Security Administration, they found that half of senior population of the senior population lives in households that receive at least 50% of their income from Social Security benefits, and a quarter get over 90% of their income from Social Security. So this is very, very important for the vast majority of senior households. Now, the maximum amount of earnings subjected to Social Security tax today, known as the taxable maximum, will increase to 168600 from 160200 That means if you're not taking Social Security, like myself, and you're paying into Social Security, that you're going to be paying into it at a higher income level. Remember, to this year... Anything you earn above 160200 you are not paying any additional amount into Social Security beyond that one sixty. Next year, that will rise to one sixty eight six hundred. And I always think this is the easy way to fix Social Security. Everyone says, oh, so Social Security is going to run out of money. I think the easiest thing to, to do is say, let's put that at 200000 I could easily see that happening. Or... You start you you put a gap there and you tax people making over say a million dollars, right? That could be something that happens as well. I think that's what will ultimately happen with saving quote unquote saving uh, the Social Security uh, slush fund. Now, the good thing about Social Security when you're doing tax plan or retirement planning is that it's pretty much one of the only forms of retirement income that keeps up with inflation. Sometimes you'll get a pension. Maybe you could buy a fixed annuity or something like that with a writer, inflation writer, et cetera. But Social Security has that nice COLA increase every single year. And that's why I always say you want to wait a little longer because you want that COLA increase to impact a higher number. And so if you can wait to full retirement age or ideally till you're 70, it does make a lot of sense to do that and get those COLA increases on that higher amount. Because right now, the average Social Security Monthly benefit is only $1,789. That's it. It's not that much. Now, the consumer price index for urban wage earners and clerical workers is the index that the, is used to determine the annual COLA. And it weighs things like transportation, food, apparel, and other expenses typical for urban workers, which is kind of odd because most retirees are not urban workers. There's actually something so-called the CPIE that 
incorporates healthcare costs, housing, and other goods and services that typically are used by retirees. And there's been a lot of lobbying to move the COLA adjustment to using that figure. So we'll see what that looks like going forward. But over the last two years, you've had some nice COLA adjustments. Twenty uh, This year, it's been 8.7. Like I said, last year, it was 5.9%. Okay. Now, what negatives could this have? Well, it it can push people who are on Social Security as well as other government assistance into a higher income level and make them ineligible for certain benefits. So that's something to be concerned with as well because those limits are not subject to COLA adjustments. 26% of survey respondents who receive Social Security for more than three years report paying taxes on a portion of their benefits for the first time during 2023 tax season. So this is impacting people because remember, there, there is an income level that if you earn more, if you earn over, you do have to pay taxes on your Social Security. In addition, Medicare Part B costs this year or next year will rise 6%. That's higher than that 3.2% COLA. So that if you get Medicare Part B, that part of that or all of that 3.2 will be eaten up. Or some of it will be, excuse me. So that's the story uh, for next year. Some good, some bad, especially if you get government assistance of some type. But if you get Social Security and you already pay taxes on it, you don't get other government assistance, then obviously this is a good thing. Uh, for you. And it's not the 8.7, but 3.2 is still above the long-term average. All right, now in the next Invest Talk, we'll look into this story. The consequences of passive investing. Is it true that some low-cost investment vehicles have been beneficial for investors and passive investing appeals to those looking for free lunch? But there's no free lunch in financial markets. So we're going to look into the details of the trend in passive investing. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, ready to take your questions now at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Serve and grow your capital during the chaos of a recession. Tell your friends about the next Invest Talk Wealth Webinar Profit Amidst Chaos Strategic Investing in a Recession. It's happening live, online, and free Thursday, November 9th 
Go to investtalk.com and register now. I've got a question for you on mixing your politics with your investing. Uh, you always recommend against that, and I think that's a good recommendation. But a lot of companies go out of their way to make overt political statements. Lots of companies just jumped in there to make big, bold statements. Strikes me that's, that's just going to alienate half the population. Whichever side you take, you're going to alienate the other half. I'm just wondering, I think you do want to keep politics out of your investing, but do you want to avoid companies that take overt political stances? Do you think that's a, a factor in how you might choose or avoid companies? Again, thanks for your show. Really appreciate it. Talk to you later. I think that's a great point. Uh, I do agree that the companies that go out of their way to be overtly political uh, does tend to hurt their business overall. Now, it depends on the company as well. If the majority, the vast majority of their customers are already on a certain side of political lines and they decide to also take a stance on that side, that's going to hurt them a lot less than a company that might be kind of split down the middle, like the the general uh, public tends to be. Uh, so it depends on the company. But I agree that when you you get consistently overly political, it can cause part of your customer base to think about alternatives who, you know, then there's usually alternatives in almost every industry. And so you have seen uh, companies hurt by those things. Target's a good example as of late. Um, and so, you know, this is in a, in a political environment that continues to be divided and increasingly divided and we don't have a political figure that can unite us i think it's it is increasingly fraught uh to go out there and be overtly political now one day i do think we'll uh, the country will call us around a central figure that can unite us but that day is not today um, so I like your, your thought process. Um, it, it's, it's more rare. I think a lot of people try to say this happens all the time. It really doesn't. If you go and look about all the public companies, large companies that are out there, it's a small percentage that tend to get overtly political. So, uh, but something to watch for and something to consider, but you have to weigh it against their total customer base and how impactful that really will be. All right. Thanks for the call. Now let's talk about the consumer sentiment that came out on Friday. And if you look at expectations, they were decidedly missed. In September, the University of Michigan's overall index of consumer sentiment came in at 68.1. And last month it came out at 63. Okay. The expectations were 67.2. So or economists were expecting it to fall a little bit, but it fell more than had been expected. And this is a third straight month of decline in this figure. And it was across all demographic groups, which is interesting. And it mainly reflects mostly rising gasoline prices, as well as an increase in inflation expectations over the next year. Now, this also did... Come the, the closing of the survey came a couple days after the the Palestinian uh, Palestinian uh, Hamas attack on Israel, and you also have strikes in the uh, automobile industry. You have 
political dysfunction. You have the the, the Speaker of the House uh, drama going on. And all of that combined got people to be a little less positive over the economy going forward. Now, that you that typically is a harbinger of future economic or or consumer spending trends, but remember that it's not one for one, and the sixty three reading is still relatively strong. It's not terrible, especially you consider the unemployment rate still relatively low. Uh, but inflation expectations, I think, are the big factor here. You have uh, gasoline prices, which a lot of people use as their barometer for the economy, which is always, to me, kind of crazy considering how volatile and uh, up and down the prospects for energy prices are. And so it's important to keep that in context. If you look at the the data from yes from last week in regards to inflation, you will see import prices actually edged lower. And this is a trend that will feed into consumer prices over the next few months. Because when you import goods, then you ultimately go and sell them. And if you're importing at lower price, your ability to cut prices and work with uh, the end retailer uh, is better. And so while in, while consumers expect inflation to accelerate, the actual data that is leading is telling you that inflation will continue to moderate in the short to medium term. Now, long term, yes, there's probably a level of sticky inflation that is is here to stay. But I think this consumer sentiment figure is a Missed mainly because of uh, sentiment that is probably a bit misguided. All right, all right. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to take we like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Gucci Gang twenty seven says, "Would you look at Accenture symbol ACN? Wondering what your fair value is. I'm thinking about dollar cost averaging for a long term hold. Now, Accenture is a very large company." $200 billion market cap. And what's interesting here is while they are headquartered in Ireland, they pretty much operate throughout the world. They're, they're a consulting firm, and they have consultants all across the world. So very international. And earnings are decelerating. So I think that's the worry here is that the trends for earnings are, are coming down. And if companies' balance sheets are getting a little tighter because the cost of capital is going up, then their ability and willingness to hire consultants, I think, would go down as well. However, the good thing on the side of Accenture is they have a very strong balance sheet, pretty much no long-term debt, very good cash flow, trailing 12 months, about $9 billion. Not a huge cash free cash flow yield, considering the roughly $200 billion markup, 880 million billion dollar enterprise value. So you're talking somewhere around a 5% free cash flow yield. That's good. Not amazing, but good. It's trading at an enterprise value to EBITDA around 16 times. And historically, that's a little above average. So I would say it's slightly overvalued at the current time. And if you look technically, it is starting to weaken pretty considerably. It's still above all the major, most of the major moving averages, 
But I could see easily see this retesting the lows from earlier this year around the 250 level. At that level, now trading at 305, at 250, I would find it modestly undervalued. Our fair, value is, our fair value is closer to 275. So until it gets to 250, I would pass on it. But it is a good company. Everyone should have Accenture on your watch list because it is probably the most well-run consulting firm out there, well-diversified, good balance sheet, good profitability, cash flow, et cetera. And only 1.1% dividend yield, but this is the type of name that you want to own longer term. I know it sounds, oh, only 1.1%. That's a, that's a, it's not a great dividend yield. Well, guess what? They continue to raise their dividend almost every year. And they, their payout ratio is very low. It's only 30, 41%, meaning they can continue to raise that. And so this is a good dividend grower with a good balance sheet. And this is the type of income play that is most attractive in today's market as, uh, for equities, for equities. Okay. All right. This is Invest Talk now with more than 56.2 million downloads since it all began. So let's play another listener question this time from a listener in the UK. Hey, Steve, Justin, and Luke. This is Josh calling from the UK. Wanted to ask you a quick question about MP Materials. I own a small position now, a little bit less than 2% of my portfolio. I'm down about 15%, but I was considering adding more and I'm averaging down. I just wanted to kind of get your opinion on if you think that's a good idea and what a good price to get into would be. I know they're working in the rare earth specialty materials, and I know you've spoken about that in the past. I appreciate your input. All right, looking at MP Materials Corp, symbol MP. And this was a darling all through 2021, 2022, and it was all about rare earths. And it is the largest producer of rare earth materials in the Western Hemisphere. We know a lot of rare earths come from China. And this operates the Mountain Pass Rare Earth Mine and Processing Facility and is really the only rare earth mining and processing site of scale in in North America. And that's the narrative, okay? Now, the one thing you have to realize with quote-unquote rare earths is that they're not particularly rare. Depends on what you're talking about. You know, it's, it's a kind of a swath of, of materials. Some are more rare than others. But in general, they're not really that rare. We just haven't really mined for them or tried to find them in, in large quantities because their applications have been fairly limited until you start to get into producing a lot of batteries and solar panels, et cetera, where some of, a lot of these materials go into. So it's really for lack of CapEx to find them that has made this one of the few. Now, the trend in earnings has been pretty poor. 2022, they made $1.67. This year, they're only supposed to make $0.30 cents per share and $0.79 cents a share next year. But both of those estimates continue to come down on average from analysts. I don't like that trend. So over the next couple of years, you're supposed to make somewhere in the neighborhood of $0.50 cents on an $18 stock. That's a mid-30s multiple. I don't like that. So this is more of, I think, a longer-term play on whether you think there is some major shift in the rare earth industry away from China. And that's certainly possible. So this is more of a geopolitical play than anything that has to do with fundamentals. Because the fundamental earnings picture is pretty poor. And 
And if you look at the the balance sheet, they have some debt. That's a bit uh, worrisome. Um, but they do have a lot of cash in their balance sheet as well. So I think the balance sheet overall is fine. I just don't like the trend in the stock. Now, today you did get a nice reversal. Wasn't on huge volume. That's probably would be my biggest qualm about today's move. And it remains in a very strong downtrend. So until it can break above that downtrend, let me draw a downtrend line. Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna need to break well above the $20 level for it to get any traction to the upside. Now it's at $18.30. Until then, it's in a clear downtrend. And frankly, it needs to get above 23 to truly break out. And yeah, until then, it still remains a name that the technicals are too weak and the trends and earnings are too weak. So I'm passing on MP for now, but something to watch for a potential breakout in the future. All right, now we're heading into the fourth quarter. And the year is moving fast. And Steve and I have been telling you for a while that this is a new market regime. As you can see, there is geopolitical tension rising throughout the world. And that means inflation is going to remain sticky high because the global order is somewhat breaking. We're not being as interventionist as we have in the past for various reasons. And that means the world of globalization is reversing to a degree, retrenching to regionalization. And that means higher interest rates. It means we are dealing with the first popping of the, of a sovereign debt bubble in our lifetimes. And that means the playbook of the 2010s and ZERP, 0% interest rates for eternity, is no longer in play. It's a new game. It's a new world. It's a new market. So if you need help, understanding your portfolio, understanding your risk, understanding what opportunities you truly have in your portfolio and which ones are bad risk versus rewards. This is all that this is what we do when we look at when we do a portfolio review is assess your portfolio and where you can improve it. So I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our company KP Financial where we practice parallel investing which means you invest right alongside our clients and we we operate with the same philosophy which is independent thinking and shared success. So to set up a meeting with me, all you have to do is go to investtalk.com, click on the portfolio review button in the top right corner, fill that out, and we'll get right back to you. Now, the sooner you contact us, the sooner we can help you get your portfolio optimized. And by the way, mark your calendar for November 9th, we will present the next live installment of the Invest Talk Wealth Webinar Series. It is free, but you much, must register in advance over on our website. All right, let's try to squeeze in one quick question here. Hey, Stephen, Justin, this is R from Tucson. I'm calling about a company, Bath and Body Works, Inc., BBWI. The stock is way down, and I'm wondering if you see any value in this brand, in this company, in a stock, and if this would be a good time to buy, or if I should avoid it altogether. And I'll listen on the podcast uh, for your answer. Thanks for um, everything you guys do for us. Appreciate it. Bye. 
All right, this is Bath and Body Works spun out from Victoria's Secret recently, and this is a very solid name. Decent balance sheet, very good cash flow, and um, the only issue here is the technicals are not ama- not terrible, but not amazing either. And so I would be on the lookout to buy this at a certain point, but I would need this to break to the upside above the 50-day moving average. And if it does, then it would be a buy. All right, moving into our final break. My phone lines are open, waiting for your calls at 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and unbiased guidance. You've come to the right place. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Andrew in Buffalo looking at Chenier Energy LNG. You own it or looking to buy it? Um, I own it right now. I've been in it for about a year and a half. Um, I got in it right back when uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine started. So I've seen a nice little run up here. Mm -hmm. Just wondering if I should keep holding it or if I should. uh, Now's a good time to sell it. Well, it depends on your views on the stability of the natural gas situation in Europe because this is really the crux of what's helping LNG earn so much money is, remember, they own a a liquefied natural gas export facility uh, on the Gulf Coast. And when the natural gas prices in Europe and just simply abroad is – uh, uh, Japan's a big importer of natural gas as well. When that widens out compared to the prices here in the US, then they make a large profit. And that's why they made so much money last year, $33.23. But this year, only uh, expect to make $10 uh, going forward. But if you get more tensions ramping up and uh, the a colder winter, for example, in Europe, then they will earn more money. And you'll see that that arbitrage opportunity widen. And that's why this has moved up recently because of continued geopolitical tensions in that region. So I would probably hold it because I think there'll be more problems than less. And you've had a retrenchment since the start of the U- Ukraine war and it's just starting to ramp back up. And so I would frankly keep holding uh, LNG. Great. Thanks. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for the call. Now let's talk about consumer stocks, consumer stocks. And many of the companies on the low side of performance in the S&P this year have been in the consumer staples or consumer discretionary sectors. In fact, more than two dozen stocks in the consumer staples and discretionary sectors of the S&P have set new 52-week lows in October this month. And the latest fall really coincides with a rise in treasury yields. And that caused two problems for these names. One is that these are companies that pay high dividends. And therefore, they are bond proxies. Bond proxies. You understand what I mean by bond proxies? That they are adjacent to bonds. They are very similar to bonds. People that own them also tend to own bonds. And when they see the attractiveness of other bonds, they tend to sell their equities or not buy the equities. Instead, they go out and buy bonds. And therefore, 
they tend to act a lot like bonds. So when bond prices go down, these go down as well. And in fact, the S&P 500 has declined 5.7% from the peak in July 31st. But these retail, the retail ETF, which has 78 retailers from department stores and other apparel companies, that's dropped 13%. Okay, So not only are there bond proxies, but many of them are paying out dividends that they cannot afford. And instead, they've been adding debt. And a lot of them are overloaded with debt on their balance sheet. And so you look at companies like Dollar General, Walgreens Boots Alliance, Kraft Heinz, for example. These are all names that you would think are consumer staples, that their business would be fine no matter what happens with the broader economy. But guess what? They're not immune to the higher cost of debt. And so a slowing economy has certainly impacted their business somewhat. But the bigger impact is that rising cost of their debt. And so the lesson here is that, now I'm not saying you go and sell your consumer stocks. Because in fact, if you look at fund flows into the into the sector, it's been pretty terrible lately. In fact, investors have pulled money from consumer goods sector funds in 10 of the last 12 weeks. That is usually a sign that it's near the end of this move. But what you have to remember and write down and understand about this environment is that while I think some of these stocks and some of the, the bond proxies will get a rally with bonds over the next year, that's a rally to trim, to sell, to get out of names with high debt loads. So I hope the message is pretty clear. I'm going to continue to remind you of this because it is going to be a very important theme to not chase dividends in this environment, but to chase good balance sheets. And that is going to be crucial. All right. I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. And be sure to check out our Invest Talk Classroom series, streaming for free now on our YouTube channel, Episode 10, Index Construction. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.